Welcome, campers. Settle in tight, for tonight you're in for a fright. Welcome, campers, to Friday Night Fright. We are your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And tonight we are going to get into some seriously spooky stories. Excellent. What have, uh, what have you got prepared for us tonight? Yeah, so tonight I have a story called Smile. Is it, I was going to say, isn't that like the movie? Is that called Smile or Smirk oh, or something? I think, I I think it is Smile. That one that's like they're running ads on Peacock right now. Yeah, and they like they had all like the people standing at like these sporting events and just randomly yeah. stand up and yeah. Yeah. The one with the like swinging head in the end of the of the trailer. Uh, something it's something like that. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't really know a whole lot about it other than I keep seeing that and there was a what was this uh uh, there was some man, I can't even think of the show it was, but they did like their version of of the uh, just like the the poster for it, right? Yeah, um, I was it was super silly, uh, but yeah, I don't know, but that trailer honestly freaks me out. Really? Huh. Yes, because it's like all these creepy, like plastered smiles, right, on on people's faces, and it like. I don't know. It messes with me. I mean that that look of that like fake, really uh-huh. eerie, creepy smile. Anyways, can, is yeah. pretty off putting. So like I understand of it. the whole clown. Thing. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. yeah. A couple. Of, what was that in like 2016 or some 2012 or 20? Yeah. Who even knows now? <laughs> right. But regardless, yeah. So I yeah I don't know. I don't really know. Like I said, I don't really know like the premise or what all it's about, other than smiling i guess yeah it's all who about knew, smiling <laughs> who knew smiling would turn into horror but you know it is what it is we're about to find out excellent well i'm I'm looking forward to it hopefully it's right. not just uh you know just the telling of the movie but we'll find no, out it, it isn't awesome i can assure you okay you ready i think i'm ready smile i shouted jen turned as i pressed the shutter She stuck out her tongue. You didn't give me time to make my face not look weird. But I love your weird face. It's exactly my kind of weird. Instead of replying, Jen reached down, gathered up a snowball, and winged it at me with the accuracy of a lifelong softball star. I managed to turn my back so that my jacket absorbed the blow. You throw like a girl, I shouted, putting my camera in its pack so I could begin a snowball counterattack. Thank you for the compliment, Jen replied, another fistful of snow bursting against my wool cap. 
This isn't a battle you want, Thomas. You don't have the snowballs for it. Lol. <laughs> I was <laughs> we spent the next five minutes in a frantic scramble trading volleys of packed powder and ice. Jen was right. I was no match for her. She had an arm like a siege cannon and was too small of a target. At the end of our little war, I was covered in snow and defeat in equal measure. I give up, I called out, hands up. You win. I shall be... I shall be just and merciful in my victory, Jen promised, brushing snow from my shoulder. As my first declaration as Ice Queen, I need you to take a better picture of me when I have a minute of, to actually prepare. As you wish, I said, setting up my camera. Jen climbed up the ridge to pose next to a pine tree. The sun was high above her, though hidden in low gray clouds that threatened more snow. We were about a half mile into the forest from our rented cabin in the mountains. It was freezing and isolated and perfect. I never knew the Appalachian wilderness could be so stunning. I was lining Jen up when I saw a distortion through the viewfinder. It was only a ripple, like a heat wave rising off August asphalt. And it only lasted for a split second. But it made me lean away from the camera for a better look. I'd spotted the blur on the ridge across from where Jen and I were standing, maybe a quarter mile. It was only visible when I had the lens zoomed all of the way out, and even then, it was only at the edge of my vision. Staring through all the trees at the other high point, I couldn't make out anything unusual. Hey, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. Photographer, Jen said, doing her best Marilyn Monroe pout. I shook the distortion out of my head and brought my camera back up. Say cheese. We spent the rest of the afternoon hiking through narrow deer trails and over a cascade of snowdrifts. It was peaceful and a calm kind of empty that was free of distractions. I alternated between taking pictures of Jen when she wasn't looking and photos of wildlife. We came across woodpeckers and geese and sparrows, flitting between evergreens. There were lynx as well, though we mostly only saw their tracks. Twice we stopped and changed directions when we encountered a moose, and once we even saw a grizzly bear a hundred yards away, standing on the shore of a small stream. It was swatting at the water, and every few splashes resulted in a fat pink salmon getting tossed on the bank. We kept our distance while I quietly snapped pictures of all of the full riot of nature around us. The day was perfect other than the increasing encounters with the shimmer. It wasn't in every photo but I began to notice it more and more as the afternoon drifted toward evening. Whatever the distortion was, it was getting closer. It followed along behind us over the hills and across streams. I kept catching a glimpse of it out of the corner of my eye or my lens, always keeping its distance, always just out of focus. I tried to point the glimmer out to Jen a few times, but it was always gone when she looked. Maybe I was seeing things, little spots and floaters in my eyes from too much squinting into a camera. But just as we were finishing our route and nearly back to the cabin, I began to see a form inside of the distortion, something nearly human. Just my imagination, I tried to convince myself. Just shadows on the snow. We made it back to the cabin half an hour before sundown. The light was long and weak across the white fields. The sky was blue gold against the cloud cover. 
but quickly on its way to an evening purple. It was cold and the temperature was dropping in time with the sun. Wind snapped at our heels as we hustled toward the cabin. I swiveled to take one last snapshot of the sunset and saw the distortion again only a few feet down the path behind us. I hurried Jen inside and locked the door, then threw the bolt. You okay? Jen asked, one eyebrow lifted. Sure, yeah, just, uh, glad to be home. That was a complete lie. I had fallen a little in love with our rented cabin over the past two days. It was a single story containing a handful of connected rooms, kitchen, bathroom, single bedroom, a combination den and dining room. The walls were cedar logs notched and wedged together. Deep, soft rugs with geometric patterns covered the floors. A stone fireplace took up most of an entire wall. Owning a place like that for weekend getaways or summer holidays or a skiing trip, it would be a dream. I tried to put the blurry thing out of my mind. I knew it couldn't be real. Couldn't be anything more than a trick of the light or an issue with my eyes. I'm going to work on the pictures we took today in the bedroom, okay? I called out. Have fun. I'll start dinner. Photoshop me so I look extra hot, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. I don't know how much I'd want to be stuck in a cabin with this girl. Yeah, that's fair. And he responds, If you were any hotter, Jen, the cabin would burn down. Smooth. Smooth operator. Yeah. (laughs) Good follow-up. Jesus. My girlfriend giggled and started rummaging around for a pan. I headed into my dark room, which was just the cabin's bedroom, but with all the lights shut off. It made me feel like an old-school photographer, sitting on the bed with my laptop perched on my knees. The only light, the glow of the screen as I shuffled through pictures, picking the ones worth editing. I was going to say, because he's not actually developing pictures. No, he's <laughs> definitely <Okay>. not. <laughs> That's super cheesy. Yeah. I closed the door and put the camera's SD card into the reader. The first photo that loaded was from early in the morning. It was a timed selfie of Jen and me in front of the cabin. A strong breeze was pushing her dark hair around in her hood and across her face, but I could still see her smile. I dragged the photo to the keep folder. The next dozen pictures were of the woods around the cabin, then about 40 photos of a blue jay just chilling on a branch. Not sure what got into me with that. After about 10 minutes of sorting through pictures in the dark, I got to the one I took of Jen on the ridge when I first saw the blur. Only it wasn't a blur in the photo. There was clearly some thing in the background. It was out of focus and hard to see details, but it looked like another hiker wearing all red. How did we not notice someone else on the trail right behind us? I considered calling for Jen, but didn't want to freak her out. Letting out a quick breath, I got ready to go through the rest of the pictures. The next couple of shots were all of Jen on the ridge. The thing in red got closer with each photo. Closer and clearer. Jesus Christ, I whispered. Whatever was following us wasn't wearing red. It was red. The raw red of a skinned deer. The creature was the size and shape of a man, but naked, fleshless, a walking chunk of exposed muscle and meat. Its face was the hardest part to look. Wormy pink tendons stitched together dull pieces of white bone, blood vessels, and nerves twitching. 
I couldn't be sure due to the lack of skin, but the thing seemed to be smiling wide as it followed us. It crept behind us, partially hidden in every photo. Sometimes it leaned out from trees, only its lidless eyes visible. Once or twice I even spotted it above us moving through bare branches or lurking in the shadow of an evergreen. The creature was playful. In some pictures, it was only pretending to hide. In others, it took exaggerated tiptoe steps like some twisted cartoon character. It was toying with us, invisible except for my camera, and it got closer with every photo. I suddenly felt very alone in the dark. There were a few pictures left, but I jumped to the last one, that final snapshot from outside the cabin. The red thing was on the path right behind us where I'd seen the distortion. It had one fleshless arm raised. It was pointing at Jen and smiling wider than ever. I shot to my feet. Jen, I shouted. It took me a moment to orient myself in the dark, but I was able to make my way over to the light switch, though I nearly tripped in my rush for the door. Jen, Jen, where are you? My girlfriend was not in the kitchen, or the living room, or anywhere else in the small cabin. The front door was open, but the only tracks in the snow were our old boot prints. Still, I followed them as far as I could until fresh falling snow erased them a quarter mile into the forest. The rangers and the search teams never found any sign of Jen. It's been six years. I rent the cabin every year right around the time of her disappearance. I spend a week hiking the woods with my camera looking for her and for the thing that took her. When I dream, I always dream of that last photo of the smiling thing, red and pointing. If I'd acted faster, if I'd been with her, this is my fault. I should have protected her. Well, if he wouldn't have went into his room, into his faux dark room, yeah, he, yeah, he might have protected her. Yeah, like why didn't he just bring his computer like out, you know, out there, watch her cook, you know, like yeah, be playful as couples do, and like a normal person. yeah, everything would have probably been right in the world, right? Exactly. Yeah. Instead, he wanted to be a little bitch and <laughs> sit in the dark. He had to go pretend he was the you know old school photographer. That's just yeah, that's silly. And so now he's renting out the the cabin every year, like yeah. You're not going to find her, bud. That's true. She's too late. She's gone. She's probably a skinned creature now hunting other people. Exactly. (laughs) Maybe that thing was actually her. Oh. Yeah. Maybe it was. Maybe. Think about that. (laughs) That's too much. (laughs) No, but I, I like it. I like it. I was just, I kept like thinking, like he kept talking about like this distortion, like a, like a sunspot or like a like a heated spot like yeah. you, you know you often see like especially if you're in the snow if you look out in the distance you can see where like the heat's like yeah the mirage you know, kind of look, looks like it's like sizzling right yeah. yeah so that's what i assumed like was the whole time like that's what it kept sounding like i didn't expect it to be this like red skinless creature right it's weird it's um i kind of like the idea that these i mean if you apply this to the whole concept of like cryptids right it, right this idea that like they're they're only visible to to certain you know versions of sight right so you might see like a shimmer or you see like a a branch the a small branch of a 
tree move without anything there. And you're like, right, hmm, that's kind of weird. And you never really think twice about it. But like, maybe if you'd had a camera and snapped at that moment. It's kind of the opposite of the real problem people actually have with cryptids, which is that they see them with their eyes. But for some reason, you can't get a damn good <laughs> never, picture of them. Right. Yeah. Or there's never a camera around to be able to react fast enough. When, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, as people who are into this stuff, that's like the main criticism of it, right? Like, yeah, of course. We live in an age where everyone has a, a high quality camera on them pretty much all the time. And yet we're still severely lacking photographic evidence of any yeah. of this stuff. That's, I think that's like, I guess the harder, harder thing for me to process like as we like dive deeper and deeper and like i find myself thinking about more and more than i used to yeah um you know which which might be a little strange because like but I, yeah at the same time i'm just like man I, you know i i know i always have my phone with me like it's always like within arm's reach of anywhere i'm at sure and the fact that like you know yet we can't get a good solid piece of evidence of of really anything yeah like cryptids aliens ghosts like whatever you know like yeah we just don't have any real like solid so it it just i don't know it kind of just makes it uh i not not infuriating but just (laughs) i I don't know it kind of makes it a bummer sometimes like you know no it's discouraging maybe is the best word for it yeah it definitely pisses me off when someone tries to sell you that they spent a whole afternoon hanging out with like a flesh and blood blood bigfoot and right of course i didn't take any pictures or videos or you know and they'll they'll pull that shit like it just never occurred to me (laughs) yeah right or according to some you know they don't like to have their their photos taken right and stuff like that so to like honor their wishes and things you know they they don't do that (laughs) yeah okay i don't know that's you I I mean that's one of the the big reasons why I lean toward it being more of like a psychosocial phenomenon, you know. Um that it's more than And when you tell people like I think it's all in the mind. That's right. that's not what I mean. Um it's yeah, not that it's less than physical, it's that it's more than physical. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's probably the best way I could put it. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely get it for sure. It just yeah, at the same time it can be it can just be tough to you know, it's a like tough to swallow, right? Like kind of take. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. But nonetheless, creepy. Yeah. It's crap you know, and awesome. You know so. what I instantly thought of was like I like that that this could be like an explanation for missing 411. yeah 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 true yeah i mean well we've we've kind of briefly like skimmed on when bringing up like for like missing 401 cases and stuff like the idea and the possibility of it being like due to uh cryptids and aliens abductions like whatever right yeah um yeah so i mean that's that's definitely definitely true and this could be like literally a first-hand case yeah i mean David Politis 
the guy, you know, for those of you who don't know, he's the ex policeman that um police detective that kind of started the whole missing four one one thing, looking into all these cases of people going missing in national parks. And um the big criticism against him is that he's also a Bigfoot researcher. So they think that it's just like a people think that he thinks it's Bigfoot that's doing all this. I mean, you know, like it, you also, I'm sure that that idea has crossed his mind, you know, and been something oh, yeah. to, to think about. Yeah. Right. You know, but of course, like that's not going to be all. Yeah. It's not the only explanation, at least. I mean, I will say I've read the first two of his books, and he he never offers a theory. He just okay. gives out the information. Now, he does a bit of cherry-picking, which is natural with stuff like this, and he makes some connections that make you think, like, does this guy's whole brain work? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, huh. he'll he'll say some shit like, like in many of these cases, the people went missing near berry bushes, and it's like, yeah, nature's <laughs> full of them, David. Yeah, and you could see that they were running on some form of ground. Yeah, exactly. Everyone there had touched grass recently. Um, I think he he has a bit of. The line for him between causation and correlation are a bit blurry. Um but like one that one that stuck with me is he makes he goes to the, the extra effort to point out that two women went missing in the same area, about fifty years apart, and one's name was Anne and one's and the other's name was Amy. And he's like <laughs> two women their names both start I think with, not. Yeah, both <laughs> names start with A and have three letters. And I'm like, God, this <laughs> is starting to feel like yeah. reading like a numerology reading. I you mean, know? but some some of those people, like, they look for every yeah. possible like connection or anything that you could like it's just all the out of the box thinking, right? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's gonna be general things, but like, you know. They both had hair like <laughs> that. That doesn't really right. make a difference. Right. And in, in then I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, unfortunately, that seems to happen all too frequently. I don't know. I mean, you hear people make jumps like that all the time, right? Where you'll see like a headline that's like new research shows that 70% of people who have heart attacks had washed their hands in the last 24 hours. And it's like, yeah, I bet they yeah. have like exactly causation and correlation. Not the same yep. thing. No, no, it's, it just, it gets strung way too far in cases like that. So that's the big criticism of David Politis is that like, yeah, he stretches a little bit. He never comes right out and says like, it could be this or it could be this or it could be this but like right you can feel and if you know anything about him if you like have watched videos of him and interviews and stuff you know that he leans toward those sort of like supernatural examples or theories i mean yeah of course i, I mean you know like if that's like his normal way of thinking then 
you know, it kind of justifies his random, you know, nonsense yeah. fact, like, I guess, piecing things together, right? Yeah, the same way people go, like, synchronicity hunting. Exactly. You know? yeah. yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I like it though. Yeah, it was it was uh it was a neat one. I knew something was gonna happen though. As soon as he like let me go into my duck room and yeah. blah, blah, blah. like no, just <sighs> stay with your girlfriend. Yeah, no doubt, man. Yeah. All right. So what do you have? Well, let's uh I was gonna say let's change let's change it up a little bit. Um I have a, I have a story we'll be uh we'll be discussing today called the Tartarus Archives. Keep in mind, that's not the TARDIS archives. I wish. (laughs) It's not that kind of story. All right. You ready? Yes. Take it away, Jim. I hadn't seen Mike in a few months. He had been buried in work, and our usual weekend nights out had about disappeared. Then he called me on a Thursday and invited me over for drinks. I jumped at the invite but took note of how depressed he sounded on the phone. By the time I got there, Mike had already started drinking and was slurring his words. A dark cloud seemed to hover over him, which got worse as we drank. I finally asked what had been going on with him. Mike turned darker, afraid. He said it had to do with work. I never really knew what Mike did for a living. I did know he worked for the city in the tech department and was involved with the CCTV surveillance network. But I never knew what his day-to-day operations were, which he began to describe in detail. Mike explained there were thousands of cameras scattered throughout the downtown core, outlying neighborhoods and well into the suburbs of our one million-plus city. His responsibility was to categorize and archive all the incoming footage. Most of the footage went into very general classifications and were saved in hard drive farms and identified with the lengthy combination of numbers and letters for categorical archiving. They were truly meant to be forgotten about. It was an expansive task, but Mike designed and built an AI screening program that detected common patterns in footage then sectioned out anomalous behavior for review. The vast majority wasn't noteworthy, something like 99.99%. Then there was the 0.01%. The car accidents, assaults, swarmings, rapes, abductions, murders. Those went into a special archive for use in criminal investigations. And then... There was the .0001%. They were held in a classified archive and contained footage, capturing events that for all accounts were unexplainable. This was called the Tartarus Archives. I looked up the word Tartarus after and discovered it was one of the darkest, deepest prisons from Greek mythology. It was said that if you dropped an anvil from heaven, it would take seven days for it to reach the earth. It would take another seven days for the anvil to reach Tartarus. It was the place you sent Titans when there was nowhere else that can contain them. 
When Sisyphus was condemned to an eternity of futility and frustration with a large boulder and a mountain slope, that punishment was carried out in Tartarus. As it turned out, the name was quite fitting to the archive's growing contents. Some footage could be simplified to strange optical anomalies in the camera and coincidences of light or crackheads on a bender through the subway systems. Other footage, though defied logic. The others are what captured Mike's mind that evening. He had been breaking protocol and bringing hard drives home at night. In fact, he'd been splicing the footage together, capturing and compiling repeat aberrations and editing them into linear sequences. Mike wanted to show me some. It wasn't in a bragging or a showing off kind of way. It felt more like the sharing of a heavy burden kind of way. I asked if showing me would get him in trouble, but he waved the idea away. I said yeah, obviously. I wanted to see what was going on in my city. Mike led me into his workroom, where he had monitors and towers and piles of externals set up. We sat down and he skimmed through some drives nervously. Then, he landed on one. Mike told me this anomaly was codenamed Link Inspector. He pressed play. On the largest screen, black and white footage started up, showing Lincoln Avenue, one of our less attractive downtown streets at 3am. The camera angle showed the length of Lincoln Avenue as it led into the downtown core. The street appeared empty and quiet. From a side road, a woman emerged, walking towards the camera. As she approached the intersection, she turned over her shoulder and appeared to scream. The woman took off, sprinting, past the camera, which cut to a new, wider angle from another camera across the street. We watched the woman running frantically, seemingly being chased. But she was the only one on the street. There was no one else anywhere around her. The woman kept screaming as she ran, and the cameras kept following, cutting between different CCTV angles. We watched as the woman was chased in the middle of an empty intersection. She fell, then cowered as if something massive was standing over her. The woman's neck stiffened, and she began to levitate off the ground. Her body looked like a rag doll as something lifted her by the throat until she was floating, a dozen feet above the road, in the middle of the intersection. Then the woman's head snapped to the left, and her body fell back to the ground. The video ended and went black. Dude. That is gnarly. That would... Yeah, man, that would be messed up to to see, especially being this guy that's like, you know, he's he's watching all this stuff by himself, yeah. being the one that goes through all this, right? Yeah. Imagine seeing something like that and me just like, what? What is going on? Yeah, and I mean, the CCTV monitors are live. Imagine right. seeing something like that happening in real time. Yeah, it would be absolutely terrifying for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. 
I sat shocked. Mike saw my expression and said, You ain't seen nothing yet. I asked if that was real, if what I saw was unaltered, was raw footage. Mike said all he had done was put the clips together. None of the content had been touched. He told me he found out the incident ended up being described as a hit and run, and the case was left figuratively open for more evidence to amass. Which it never would. The department kept the footage hidden, claiming it was a camera malfunction. No one outside of Mike and his boss had seen the video of how the poor woman actually died. I started to understand the air of somberness that Mike was carrying around. Mike started the next video. This one was codenamed Black Crab and was much longer than the previous one. It started in the subway systems at the underground Walkley station shortly after closing up for the night. Walkley was the last stop on the route and the exterior was shouldered by a new housing development on one side an untouched forest and swampland on the other. The camera was pointed down along the subway platform on the east side and showed its entire length with benches and garbage cans populating it. At the far end, the tunnel was filled with darkness. The lights on the platform shut off and the station went dark. The camera switched to night vision and everything became visible again. My eyes trained on the platform waiting for something to happen. Finally, there was movement. It was coming from the tunnel. It was difficult to identify exactly what it was at first, as its movements were strange and the footage was grainy. But it got closer to the camera, and I got a better look. It resembled a human, a man, but he was walking on his hands and feet, upside down with his back arched and his stomach pointed to the ceiling. He had long, dark hair that dragged along the ground and he wore tattered layers of old jackets and torn pants. He moved like a crab, jerkily, yet quickly and easily as he made his way to the staircase. The footage cut to a new camera in the dark hallway leading to the stairs out of the station. We watched the crab walker claw up two steps at a time, and then crawl over the turnstiles and towards the exit. The footage cut again, now showing the exterior of the station entrance. The crab walker squeezed and twisted and maneuvered his body through the locked and closed entrance gate. It looked impossible to accomplish, but he did it. Once outside, the crab walker eyed his surroundings before skittering off towards the woods and disappearing. The footage cut to an hour later and revealed the crab walker, reappearing from the woods. He was dragging a small animal by the tail in his teeth. The animal looked like a cat. The crab walker squeezed back through the gate, crawled through the station, and disappeared into the subway tunnel. Again, Mike saw my expression and told me there was more. I think we figured out our perpetrator of the charter house. <laughs> it's this fucking yeah. crab dude. Right. Yeah, no doubt. 
it, it doesn't explain though how you can get in the tiny little cracks. But I mean, he squeezes like in this case, the he gate, said right? this. Yeah, yeah, there was no way that he could do it. Yeah. You're right. That's yeah. And in the crazy. dark, a, a person in like crab formation could definitely be, <laughs> you know, could definitely be mistaken for a quadruped. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and especially because he's also upside down too. Yeah. So like, yeah. Yeah, I think it was this crab fucker. All right. Well, I think I think it's solved now. <laughs> Mystery solved. <laughs> yep. We can just uh, you know, mark that one down. Put a check mark next to that. <laughs> Sign, seal it, and put it away. He showed me the length of the video, which was over an hour long. Mike had compiled over 20 sequences of the crab walker creeping out of the subway station and into the woods. Mike skimmed through the video towards the end, and we watched the crab walker come out of a sewer in a downtown alleyway. It crawled over to a pile of garbage bags and cardboard boxes. Then it jumped into them, and some kind of vicious frenzy ensued. There was someone else in the pile of garbage. Hands and feet thrashed about as they were struggling for their life. Then the movement stopped, and the hands and feet went still. The crab walker's body moved jerkily about, but I couldn't see what was happening because of the darkness and all the garbage bags and boxes obscuring the camera's view. Mike leaned over to me and whispered that the crab walker was eating a homeless man. This caused a criminal investigation as the dead body was found mutilated and festering in the open alleyway. Mike followed up on the inquiry. What he discovered was that the crab walker was who authorities believed to be a man named David Fletcher. Decades ago, David had been a prominent lawyer with a family. One Christmas, there was a house fire and his wife and kids were killed in the blaze. It was David's fault. He lost everything including his mind. This is a much sadder origin story than I had in mind, which was something in the vein of uh, <laughs> being bitten by a radioactive crab. Right, yeah, yeah. He just <laughs> had some to- toxic sludge like poured on him yeah. and then just turns into whatever, yeah. Jesus. Right. Heavy. No, yeah, it, it is. Yep, that kind of took a turn. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a breaking point, whether they know it or not. A place where they bend too far and then snap. David found his. Family and friends described his descent as nightmarish. David lived on the streets, became addicted to drugs, and tumbled into mental illness. The last anyone knew of him was from ten years prior. he thrown himself in front of a subway at the Walkley station, and no one had heard from or saw him again. It appeared that somehow, David had survived the subway hit. His back had broken and healed strangely, causing him to move the way he did. He'd adapted to the new posture and lived in the darkness of the subway tunnels, finding sustenance from drain water and the wild animals he caught. That's awesome. See, I mean... Hey, I mean... You never hear the... He was able to adapt, yeah. Yeah, you never hear the fourth step, like homelessness, drug addiction... Mental illness, crab man. <laughs> <laughs> you never. That's, 
it's a four step process. Yeah, you very rarely get to that fourth step. So I'm impressed. Well, kudos for this guy. Yeah. For sure. That was what Mike found out at least. But then he said that was just the answer the investigators gave in discovery. Who knows where the truth lie? Mike said there was always an answer for the videos he saw. Whether the answers were true or not, no one knew. But the ones that had to become public all needed explanations, however absurd. Either way, David was never found and didn't reappear on the subway footage. Mike plugged in a new hard drive. He poured a fresh drink and told me this was the one that was troubling him. The file was codenamed Cloud Mirror. I wasn't sure I wanted to see it, but before I could object, Mike pressed play. All the monitors lit lit up with footage from different intersections downtown, on the exact date and time as each other. There were five in total. The streets on each screen were empty and quiet, no cars or people. Suddenly, at the exact same time in the center of the intersections, a small glow pulsed into existence. It was some kind of orb, roughly the size of a bowling ball. The street lights around it pulsed with energy waves as the orb grew larger. It grew to the size of a beach ball. Then it flashed out. The street lights went back to normal, and the intersection was as lifeless as it was before. I asked Mike what they were. He told me he had gigs of footage of the orbs and had watched them repeatedly. He didn't know what they were at first. Then they started to change. Mike clicked onto the next video. Again, the five monitors lit up at the same intersections and time of night, but several weeks later. The streetlights glowed and pulsed, and an orb manifested into existence again. It grew to its beach ball size, but then altered its surface and glow. Something gas-like replaced it, growing outward into a couch-sized cloud of dark gray. One of the cameras was closer, so I got to see the small clouds in detail. It looked like a volcanic eruption wrapping around itself. They were large, constantly morphing blobs that curled outward from a glowing center, resembling a mandel bulb fractal as a gaseous-based organism. It was fascinating to see them floating in the middle of the street, so alien to our roads and stoplights and street lamps. Then they began to move gliding down empty roads. The cameras cut to different angles, following the clouds on some unknown path, zigging and zagging onto new streets and through alleyways. Then they'd stop. The clouds hovered in the center of their intersection. They'd lower to the ground level, standing straight up like a large coffin, holding rigid to the shape. Their exteriors continued to shift and mold together like magnets made of smoke. Something on one of the monitors caught my eye. Down the street, people appeared. They'd seen the cloud and were walking towards it. 
The group looked drunk and fascinated by the floating entity. So much so, they were approaching it. As they did, the cloud became brighter. The street lamps around it pulsed. The group were in some kind of trance staring into the morphing blob. One of the group, a guy, stared into it like a zombie, then locked right into the cloud and disappeared. None of the group tried to stop him. Instead, another one followed him in, and another, and another. All five members of the group disappeared into the cloud. Then they reappeared one at a time. The guy first, then in the order they went in. Only, they weren't stumbling and boisterous and drunk now. They were walking upright, using minimal movements. They formed in a perfect five-person circle for several seconds over quick words, then turned and all went in separate directions. Their strides, arm swings, and speed all matched. Another monitor showed a similar situation with the larger, larger group of people. Lost in reverie as they marched, one after another, into the cloud. Each monitor showed the same thing now. People entering the clouds and coming back out. Different. Mike stopped the video. I asked him if he had shown this to anyone else. He said he hadn't. Not even to his boss, which was the problem. Because he had a meeting with his boss in the morning to discuss the missing footage. I asked why he didn't show the footage to his boss. This footage seemed more than serious. People were being replaced by something. Mike sighed and put a new video on. The main monitor lit up and showed a new downtown street. The date was from earlier this week. One of the clouds was floating in the intersection. A middle-aged couple were walking nearby, the husband with the slight limp in his right leg. The couple saw the cloud and were sucked in by its aura. They approached it, eyes wide and mouths open. Both the husband and wife entered the cloud and disappeared. After a moment, they reappeared. The husband's limp was gone. Mike turned to me and said, That was my boss and his wife. Oh, shit. Dude, fucking changelings. Right? This, uh, those are fucking portals to fairyland. I, that's that's exactly what this could be. Yeah. Yeah. That's gnarly. Mm-hmm. That's my that's boss awesome, and though. his wife. Yeah. I dig it. Oh, no. How's he going to report it? Exactly. Ugh. And the boss, I, I don't know. You know, maybe the boss knows. Yeah. That what the footage is, or, you know, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he has no recollection of what actually happened. Yeah. Right? Oh, man. That's weird. But, yeah. Pretty uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. And, a, I don't know, a crazy, a crazy story regardless. Like, because I always think about, like, I, this is something I've, I've literally thought on numerous occasions. Like, imagine some of the shit that those people see that, like, are in charge of, like, CCTV cameras. Oh, yeah. 
Like, I'm sure they see some just weird. I'm sure, like, ha- most of the day it's all like people being stupid or Normal. hearing conversations or, yeah. you know, whatever else, right? But I'm sure they see some crazy stuff, especially like in a pretty heavy, like, heavily populated city, yeah. especially downtown late at night. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I could only imagine. Yeah. I mean, you're going to, you're going to see fights. You're going to see like weird sex capades. You're going to see like, drunk people you're gonna see people like staring yeah. at their phones and walking into poles and i wonder how many people like come up and just stare into the cameras oh yeah that too i bet that happens a lot that'd be creepy as shit too that would be so creepy that's <laughs> what i'm saying yeah yeah like you just see and like someone just like staring there back at you just totally yeah. straight faced eyes wide yeah man yeah dude i really like that story yeah Super solid. I mean, it had a lot. It had everything. Fucking crab guy. Crab guy, the four-step process. The invisible choker. Yep. Yeah. The snap, the neck. Yeah. As uh, they held the girl in midair. Yeah. yeah. And just dropped her, like, from a story up. Yeah. And fairy portals. Fairy portals and uh I mean well so obviously these people didn't turn into like mindless zombies or anything. No. The boss is still the boss. Yeah, changelings. He just has the fairy agenda built yeah. into him now. Huh. I like it. Yeah, me too. That's yeah, cool. I I like that. And for sure. you know, this like this story also reminds me of a sort of like what's become sort of a subgenre in audio drama podcasts there's like um oh the like archive 81 and the, right. the storage papers and um what's that one the magnus archives but it's like this idea in all these stories the main character is someone who's granted access to this like record of all the weird shit Right, right, of course, yeah. And then each mm-hmm. episode of the drama, they're going through a new, a new file that they've come across. And it like tells this, you know, this one episode long story. Which See, is, I love that idea. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it would be super cool. It's a but very like, cool premise for a show. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I want to be that guy, though. Right? That guy that gets like access to all this shit. Like, yeah, yeah man. That would be cool. Agreed. That would be fucking awesome. Oh. I mean, but I I want it to all be like, yeah, you're gonna like you're you're gonna do this stuff, but this is hush hush. Ends up like me just like detailing like alien history and stuff. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, like all all the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> then moving to some some crazy um, country without extradition, so that you can release the book onto the onto the dark web. Yeah. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That's. That's that's probably your destiny. That is that is the life. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yep. But yeah, just I, leave me alone in a dark room and let me just you know read away. As long as you're not in the dark room pretending you're an old fashioned photographer. No, not if not if my girlfriend's in the next room swinging pots and pans, right? And you just spent the whole day seeing weird shit follow you around the forest. Yeah, I, I think I would probably be by her side through that. I don't know, you know, maybe you'd think possibly. he would be a little on edge. 
You know what I mean? I mean, he like, yeah. Going now that we're going back to, it, I mean, he runs in, like, locks the door behind him. Yeah. And she's asking, like, "You all right?" He's like, "Yeah, fine, whatever." And then ten minutes later, he's like, "Yeah, but I'm gonna leave Oops, you out you here later. so I can sit in a dark room by myself." <laughs> right. Just the exact opposite of what you'd do if you were freaked out. Yeah. I mean, like, I you know, if it were me, I'd be like paranoid. I'd be constantly yeah. looking out the window. Exactly. Like. Where's that fucking I'd be locking everything. I'd keep us together. Like, yeah, nah, man. There's, um, you know, coming up in uh, one of our Mothman series, there's an encounter where um, they see Mothman and it almost chases them into their house. They run into their house and then they can hear him come up on the porch. Right. And Kentucky Goblin style. It's like one of the closest encounters anyone has with Mothman. Um, right. And like, they're right there at the door. They're like, the guy doesn't just go, well, whoop, see you later to his girlfriend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no like, doubt. That's so weird. Does that mean any normal person wouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless you're literally only caring about like your, I don't know, unless you're like very selfish and whatever. I mean, there's that whole thing in like airplanes where you have to like put on your own, you know, your yeah. own oxygen mask before you're like your partner or whatever. Sure. But I would never do that. No. I would literally never do that. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm, yeah, I know you're supposed to, but I, I wouldn't. Maybe try to go simultaneous. Has anyone yeah, ever tried exactly, that? Like, Maybe someone should be mastering the two-handed oxygen mask. I mean, yeah. Right? You got two hands? Learn how to use them. One on your face and one on theirs. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Same time. Stick that in your ear holes. (laughs) No, but like, it's... I do really, I really liked your story because it reminds me so much of those audio dramas that I love. Yeah. I love the idea of someone like having access to that inside track. Oh yeah. Same, same. It's, it's such a cool, like such a cool idea and premise and yeah, yeah, it'd just be awesome to be, like I said, on the receiving end of that. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. One day, one day we'll get there. I think we'll get there. We'll get handed some secret things to go through and and they say don't talk about this about this on your podcast and then we go and yeah, do it of anyway. course we do <laughs> immediately so tune in next week <laughs> immediately right exactly i yep. mean is that your hope to get tom delonged i mean i would yeah i'd love to have tom on the show and just talk about alien shit that'd be super no cool. i mean tom delonged like a verb that happens to you would you like to oh. be tom delonged <laughs> honestly yeah i'd be okay with that yeah. too <laughs> when the government hits you up and they're like hey you've been writing shitty punk songs about aliens for a decade or so you want access to all of it they were never shitty they were all beautiful yeah you know what i mean i know what you mean yeah 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 i yeah that i, I don't know i don't understand how that dude is like gotten all the stuff gotten where he is right now just by having the notion that there's there's things out there i, I mean you just got to get in with the right people. I, I can guess. tell you my theory on that quickly if you'd like. Let's hear it. Okay. Yeah, might all as right. well. My theory. It says Friday Night Fright. Yeah, so exactly. Free for all. Talk about Tom DeLong. <laughs> <laughs> so my theory on that is that they need. Okay, so he creates distraction. 
and defense budgets need funding. So they love this yeah. narrative that the UFO phenomenon is some national security threat, and he's helping support that concept with like the Nimitz stuff and the, you know, all these like all these um, radar sightings that are being right. released. Like that, the whole narrative behind that is that like the United States defense budget should be raised so that we can be investigating these potential threats. Right. right? Oh yeah, for sure. So like they really just Which is actually somebody. something we're going to talk about in the upcoming yeah. news yeah. for Patreon show. So yeah, yeah just to- so jump over there to Patreon, sign up and uh, check out. You can hear us talk about this more in depth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We'll carry that over. But yeah, I honestly think I, I think I agree with that. It's, uh, you know, and like it's it's all like this because they're also still doing that, like whole soft disclosure and all that stuff. And like what better way to gain the funding while also maintaining like a level of, I don't know, just. I guess hush hushness, like it's it's almost like secrecy, but it's like little bits at a time. I don't, I, yeah. Regardless, Patreon, go to Patreon, go to Patreon, do it, do yeah, it now. It's just sitting there waiting for it. Patreon.com forward slash Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettled. Yeah, it'll take you longer to type it in than it will take you to choose your tier. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> <laughs> that is without a doubt the truth. <laughs> now, um. Honestly, we have like episodes of CPN News or Midweek Weird. We have those sitting over there. We have lots of cool lights out episodes where we read short horror stories. Like, definitely go check it out. There's a bunch waiting. As soon as you sign up, you have access to all of them. So, yeah, do yourself a favor. I think that pretty much concludes Friday Night Fright 2. 2. 2. 2. Yeah. <laughs>